This is the Straight Truth Podcast, biblical answers to difficult questions from a Christian worldview. Pastor, every pastor and uh, would love to build a good ministry team to, to serve the church and to, be, and to pastor their congregation, to shepherd them well. And uh, you've been doing this for a couple decades now and even beyond that and thinking through how to get the right people on, on the church staff, the right elders to be shepherding uh, the church. And I think it would be helpful to our listeners um, to know how you actually do that. What are some, what makes for a good ministry team, maybe, mm-hmm. in general? And then uh, what process do you go, to, go through in terms of selecting them and getting them together? I'm going to assume throughout the discussion, we're just going to assume, although I'll state it, you know, commitment to the biblical qualifications. So First sure. Timothy 3, Titus 1, we're, we're thinking in terms of what the Bible has set forth as the non-negotiables when it comes to those who lead the church. And so those, that's the foundation. That has to be the non-negotiable. What the Bible teaches about qualifications, we do not compromise on. So that, that's step one. Now, beyond that, so we're talking about biblically qualified men. What are you thinking about in terms of a, a ministry team, a group of elders, a body of elders that are going to serve together? I actually, th- this is a, a little pet peeve of mine. I think language is important. The words we use convey mm-hmm. actually what we think about things. So we don't talk about a board of elders here. Right. Uh, we talk about a body of elders because we are a group of men who shepherd the church together. So not when you, when you use board language, you t- I tend to think at least in terms of business model, right. men who show up and just make decisions. And that's not what elders are. We are men who shepherd the Lord's people. And so every, every elder needs shepherding responsibility, engages in caring for souls, watching for souls, as the Bible says. All of us are involved in teaching the Word of God, shepherding with the Word of God. That's how you shepherd, with the Word of God. And so you need men who have that mindset, men who, who want to, uh, do not want to avoid the hard and sometimes exhausting work of shepherding souls. So you need men who are, who are, who long for that, who desire to do that. Humble men. Hmm. I know we could just say that's a part of the biblical qualifications, and it's true because you're not to give that responsibility to a young man whose heart might be lifted up with pride early on, a new convert, not a young man, but a new convert. Mm-hmm. But we need to say it that you need humble men. We we won't work well together if there's any sort of jealousy competitiveness, unwillingness to submit to one another, because there, there's mutual submission that's on display in any healthy ministry team. In a marriage, it's on display, and in a body of elders, it's on, dis- on display. So a willingness to, to embrace my role for ministry in a way that makes its contribution to the whole of the ministry that shepherds the Lord's church. One of the things we believe in, Josh, is um, structured eldership. So we're, we're all equals in one sense, but we don't all have the same responsibility. We have defined responsibilities here at Founders Baptist Church that each of us em- embrace. It's not to say that a man couldn't do one of these other aspects that have been assigned to someone else, but he has his area of oversight. And so and then we have a first among equals or a pastor, teacher, or a senior pastor. Everyone refer to it as a part of that ministry team. So am I willing to take the gifts and the abilities that God has given me, embrace the responsibility that's been assigned to me in this team, 
and serve in a way that is leading and yet willing to follow at the same time. We all have to do that. Every one of us has to do that. So that makes for a good ministry team. Friendship. Hmm. Do do we genuinely love each other? Do Mm -hmm. we spend time with each other? Do we know each other? I can't envision, I've heard about it, I can't envision some sort of ministry team where guys are siloed away from each other. I don't know how that would even work. So when we look around at our elder room on a Sunday evening, we meet after church here every couple of weeks for our elders meetings, we're looking into the faces of our friends, Hmm. fellow shepherds. They need to be men who are competent. I mean, truly competent. So you're looking for men who are gifted for what they do but also have embraced the preparation necessary for what they do. So men who know the Word of God, men who are learning the Word of God in a way that it's theologically organized and able to be expressed, men who share the same philosophy of ministry. You cannot serve well together Mm. if you see what ministry is supposed to be in a way that's altogether different from each other. Mm. It's just a few things that that Mm. come to my mind when you think about building that kind of team. So that's uh, more along the lines of, um, you know, building the body of elders. Maybe you could speak about church staff. I mean, some of our elders, well, maybe the majority of them are staff members at the same time, but we also have lay elders as well. We and do. We, we also have other staff members here too. So what about building a, a staff as well? Yeah, on the elder, uh, in the elder body, it's about half and half, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of those who are on staff and those who are not. In terms of just a ministry uh, staff, they need to be faithful as church members. You, you never want someone on, on staff, even down to the secretarial staff, mm-hmm. who's not faithful to the Lord's church, who, who doesn't love the Lord's church. Again, I've seen this in churches where you have people who serve on uh, administra- in, in administrative roles who don't even come to church regularly, and um, you don't want that. You want people who have a heart for people. They don't view what they do as a job, they view it as a ministry at the staff level. That's important for building the right kind of ministry team. Servants, people who are willing to spend and be spent on behalf of other people's souls. So they're not selfishly oriented. They're not competitive for their own interests. They're willing to, to give of themselves on behalf of other people. Hardworking. You don't want people on a ministry staff. You have to push mm. and prod they don't do what they do for a paycheck. They don't do what they do because it's just expected of them. It's a matter of their own desires. It's in their heart to do it. Mm-hmm. That makes for a good ministry team. Obviously, again, I feel like these some of these things are obvious, but I'll just state them. Doctrinal and philosophical single-mindedness. Mm-hmm. So we're on the same page in terms of what we believe and how we live out what we believe. Mm-hmm. Those things make for good ministry teams. Do you give any uh, weight or credence to letters after the name, uh, degrees, those sorts of things? Theological preparation is important. Ministry preparation, training, specific, you know, formal training is important mm-hmm. as long as it's viewed rightly. Mm-hmm. So if I ever let those letters after the name substitute for godliness, or if I ever imagine that someone can't be useful without the letters after their name, now I'm thinking of it in a wrong way. So when I think about famous men of God who've been greatly used, who didn't have that formal training, Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, others like that, if I think the training by itself produces 
great servants of God, I'm completely on the wrong track. But having said that, you know, noting a Spurgeon or a Lloyd-Jones, those men were not unprepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Spurgeon's reading books in his grandfather's library from knee-high, mm-hmm. you know, Puritan literature that would challenge any of us. So, so these are men who were well and, and, and gifted in ways that, you know, were just mm-hmm. unique to them mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. But they are, they're not really the norm. They're the exception to mm-hmm. the norm. And the norm is, is that through local church training and through seminary training, Bible college training, mm-hmm. God, God means for his servants to be prepared for what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So it's not wrong that we would take that in consideration. Just don't put it, put the kind of weight on that that, that cannot be biblically justified. Right, right. What about the comment of, of being tested first? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul mentions not a new convert, and you mentioned uh, not being puffed up with conceit and prideful. But what, what, what role is there in experience before one becomes an elder or maybe a staff? Very important. And I, th- I think even experience in your own church. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we know this man? Yeah. You know, you, now there are going to be situations where you bring someone in to serve in a staff role and you don't know them personally. You're really going off the recommendation of someone you do know, hopefully, if that happens. Like when you came here over mm-hmm. a decade ago, mm-hmm. you and I didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. We spent a good bit of time uh, both by phone, then in the interview process, uh, getting to know each other. But we have a mutual friend, Jim Hamilton, who knew you very well, and you'd served with Jim. So there's someone that I know mm-hmm. who knew you, and and I knew walked with you in a very intimate way, like friendship as well as serving together in the church. So mm-hmm. so there was something trustworthy there. Mm-hmm. These are men who are to be... Te- you you never want to put someone in a position of leadership that you don't know what you're doing with mm-hmm. them. <laughs> you don't know them. Mm-hmm. That's a very dangerous thing to do. So they do need to be proven. Their giftedness needs to be proven. Their humility needs to be proven. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest dangers when it comes to spiritual leaders is pride. So is this a man... I've said it this way, Josh. You never want to put someone into a, into a position of authority who hasn't demonstrated they can be under authority yeah, that's good. because they will abuse authority. Yep. So there's no one who's not under authority. If you're like us and you have a ministry model where you have a senior pastor or a lead pastor or a pastor teacher, whatever title you use for them, they are under authority. Everyone's under authority. And we're all subject to church discipline. There's no one in the life of the church that you can't go to them and say, here's a sin issue, or here's two or, two or more if they won't listen. Here's a sin issue. So... So you need to test that in a man. Is he a humble man? Is he a genuinely godly man? Is he a man of truth? Is he a man of principle? These are the things you need to know before you ever put someone into a place of leadership. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, Straight Truth is listener supported. So if you'd like to find out ways how you can help us to continue to produce this podcast, you can go to our website and find out ways to do that, straighttruth.net. At that website, you'll also find links to all of our previous episodes and our social media channels, so be sure to check it out. Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.